Pope Francis was just in Mexico, and what a trip it has been. He met with government leaders and labor leaders. He met with bishops and celebrated mass with priests, seminarians, and men and women religious. He celebrated what looked very much like a mini Mexican youth day. He met with prisoners and indigenous people. He celebrated mass in places where violence and drug trade are commonplace. He concluded his visit by going to where many Mexicans try to cross over to a better life in the United States. He said to young people, don't forget to dream. Don't forget the wonder of dreaming. He told them to hold their heads high and that Jesus Christ was their hope. He told indigenous elders that the world needs them, that they can teach us much about caring for the earth. He told Mexicans that everyone is necessary in building up the kingdom. St. Juan Diego was asked by Mary to build a shrine. We are all called to build shrines, the shrines of our parishes, our homes, our families, our communities, and our countries. Pope Francis went to Mexico as a missionary of mercy and peace. He spoke about justice and challenged the status quo of resignation when faced with the seemingly unsurmountable issues like drug and human trafficking, corruption, extortion, and crime. As it is common now for Pope Francis, this apostolic visit was one where he went to the peripheries to meet those who are discarded, the suffering, the needy, the prisoners, the young, the old, those with disabilities. He met them, he encountered them, and he gave them hope. And we want to share that same hope with you. Today, we dedicate the Salt and Light Hour to the Pope's visit to Mexico. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm here with Emily Callan, who's going to be doing our news today. A lot's going on this past week. Yes, the Pope was in Mexico. Yes, I know, and we're going to be spending a lot of time uh, looking at that today. Um, But you also have an important piece of news that I think we don't want to leave out, right? No, definitely not, because uh, the Pope also met, before he went to Mexico, he met with uh, the Patriarch of Moscow, Kirill, and so this was a very historical meeting. I love how you say Kirill with a French (laughs) accent. Um, The Russian Patriarch with a French name, Kirill. Um, Thank you. So that's going to be in the news in a little bit, Emily, but also today, uh, as we do once a month, Sister Marie Paul Curley is going to be here. She's going to talk about a new Easter movie. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen Risen? I have seen it. Did you see it? Yes, it was good. Um, Well, don't spoil it for people. Um, So you think it's good? We're going to find out whether Sister Marie Paul uh, thought it was good or not. Uh, That'll be in about 15 minutes. Uh, But we know that Emily thinks it's good. Um, And after that... Uh, Sebastian is going to be here uh, with his Connect Five segment, and Great. I don't know if you've you've heard any of those segments, uh, Emily. But he uh, interviewed the church's ambassador to the United Nations. Okay, I didn't even know that we had a new ambassador. It's a Filipino priest or, or, or archbishop. He's a priest. He's a bishop. Um, archbishop Bernardito Ausa. Yes. And uh, so Sebastian spoke to him about the art of papal diplomacy, and that's going to be at the end of our first half hour and then in our second half hour we're going to be going to mexico so you're going to give us emily all the uh all the details and the facts but uh, in our second half hour we're going to be speaking with a uh, family life advocate uh, delia trueba uh who's also part of the catholic voices group in mexico and she's going to give us her thoughts on pope francis's visit and then afterwards, we're going to speak with Tony Melendez, who I do you know. Yes. Tony Melendez. And he so, gave a concert in Toronto. <laughs> yes. So, uh, in fact, tonight he's in my parish in Toronto. He's going to be in Belleville next week. But he was in El Paso last Wednesday. The Pope was in Ciudad Juarez 
literally across the border. Yep. And Tony was part of this big event. Uh, and we actually, that was pre-recorded. We spoke to Tony last Wednesday in the morning. So that'll, that'll be good. So that's going to be at the end of the show. And so we're going to start, as we always do, with a song. Uh, Tony will be our featured artist this week. And so we're going to start with a song by Tony Melendez. It's called I Wish, I Wish That I Could Hold You from Tony Melendez's album Take My Hand. Concert's over at the ending of my day. The spotlight's dim, the crowd has all gone home. I think about you, honey. You're the only one I love. I wish that I could hold you in my arms. If I could take your hand, I would never let it go. Then you'd understand what words can't show. I would pull you closer and push the world away. I wish that I could hold you in my arms. Will always keep you safe from harm. 
And if by chance you were to fall again, I'd pick you up to hold you in my arms. Yes, I'd pick you up to hold you in my arms. That was Tony Melendez with I Wish I Could Hold You from his album Take My Hand. And Emily is still here with me. Um, uh, we're going to be, yes, I know, you're still here. Uh, great song by Tony Melendez. We're going to be speaking with Tony at the end of the program and in about 10 minutes, Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. But uh, so so this meeting, uh, the Pope stopped in Cuba yes. on his way to Mexico. Tell us about it that. It was a very short visit. So he was only there for a few hours. And, and people were actually worried at the beginning that it would really delay him from from his trip to Mexico. But uh, no, so this, this meeting actually has been anticipated for nearly a thousand years. I mean, that it's the first time that we really see a meeting between a Pope and a patriarch, an Orthodox uh-huh. uh, patriarch. And so, um, yeah, this was, this was very significant. It had been in preparation for about two years. Yes. And, um, wow. and it was just the perfect timing. The Pope was going to Mexico and the Patriarch was already in Cuba for a pastoral visit. Right. So the two were able to meet at the airport over there. And so they signed a declaration together. Yes. Um, now it's it was basically 30 points on common, where they found common ground and things that they they wanted to to move forward on together, or, um, namely uh, the persecution of Christians right. in the Middle East. So that's one of their their main concerns, yeah. Yeah, one yeah. of the concerns that they share um, the most. And so, um, just to find a way to really to eradicate that and to uh, to help yeah. uh, the people in the Middle so East to work together, to work yeah. together. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, I actually thought that the declaration was going to be uh, m- more. We declare that we met. But it was nice right. to see that they actually had, like you said, 30 points, um, that they had con- some concrete things, common ground, that they're going to work together. Um, we're not talking about the Orthodox Church and the Roman Church coming yes. together, but maybe that is in the in the future. Um, and then the Pope went to Mexico. To Mexico, yes, exactly. And yeah, so um, so this, I mean, this has been a point of interest for a lot of popes in the past as well. Oh, yes. I mean, for especially for John Paul II. And yeah, he was there three Benedict, times, I think. Yeah. Five times. Five actually. times. Yeah, I know, I know right? his five first times. apostolic journey outside of Rome was, was to Mexico. Mexico. He went five times. Five times, And Benedict yes. was there once. Yes. For sure, I remember that. Yeah, and at the beginning when, when uh, John Paul II first went, I mean, the church had no really social status or no no mm-hmm. status, official status in, in the country. Right. Um, they were tolerated their activity was tolerated, but uh, there were there were a lot of regulations made on on mm. clergy and 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 Christians, um, and so. But that changed. I mean, yes. the Pope, you know, when John Paul II went back eventually for his his, his other trips, yes. um, you know, he, he he it just his popularity was already so important. But I mean, he he was received not just as like the special guest, but he right. eventually was received as the head of a state. Yes. And, Interesting. Um, yeah. And so now Pope Francis, well, I mean, if you look at the images, obviously we can't show them right now, but no, they're beautiful. Right. When yes. he did arrive uh, to Mexico, he was received like, like a celebrity, yes. right? And people yes. Just like a Mexican. In fact, the chat, like a a Mexican, the chat was, yeah. uh, you know, you are a Mexican. You are now Mexican. Um, yeah. Pope Francis. Yeah. And, and I mean, so he, and he got to address the diplomatic corps. Yes. Um, which was, 
which was also significant mm-hmm. again because of just the long history mm-hmm. um, of the mm-hmm. popes going to Mexico. Yes. So this was again a very important step for him to be able to to address them directly right. and have so many of them uh, present. Right. Um, yeah, and and I mean the whole point of his trip too, he really picked places that were on the peripheries. So right. he didn't go to kind of the main areas that people go to when no. you go to Mexico. He really wanted to go where the people were struggling the most. So right. places where there was a lot there's a lot of drug trafficking yes. or organized crime. Yes. Um, also a killing of women, which yes. is uh, also prevalent in a lot of regions. Um, and uh, and 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 to speak to just inspire them and mm-hmm. to really uh, get them to to dream again and to be yeah. to be a people. I know the dreaming was a big theme. Mm-hmm. Um, he met with indigenous people. He had a meeting with yes. youth. He had a meeting with families. And of course, yes. he had the meeting with seminarians and priests and deacons and and bishops. He had some harsh words for for the bishops. He did. It was one of his longest tri- uh, uh, speeches. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and all those speeches uh, can be found on our website, saltandlighttv.org, on our blog, saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And in, in fact, all our coverage is also on that site. So if you want to watch, and in fact, it was me and Alicia Ambrosio who did all the coverage of all the events. So it was very uh, special to, to be able to do that. Anything else, Emily? Are we no. good? The Pope's trip to Mexico and the visit with Patriarch it's was probably the big yes. biggest news of, of the month. Thank you very much, Emily Callan. Emily Callan is one of our French language producers. Uh, You can stay informed on what's happening in the Catholic world on our daily perspectives, updates on Salt and Light television in many languages. You can also see that at saltandlighttv.org, our website, and also on our Roku channel. Hi, I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. If you like this program, why don't you consider supporting us financially by becoming a monthly donor through our Guardians program that will ensure that you can continue listening to the Salt and Light Hour every week. You can find out more at saltandlighttv.org. And now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome back. 2016. Thank you. It's great to be here this this. This month, actually, yes. there's uh, a lot of good things happening in, in movie releases uh, lately and yes. with some good Christian films. Good Christian films, I guess it's Easter, Lent, that's when they all come out, right? So which one are you thinking of doing today? So the one I wanted to talk about today is being released uh, in the theaters uh, this week, uh, February 19th, I think it opens. Yes. It's called Risen, and it is about, drumroll, the resurrection. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, good name. <laughs> It's a good name. It's, it's a drama set in biblical times, centering around the mystery of Christ's resurrection. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a fictional story of Clavius, the Roman tribune, who is tasked by Pontius Pilate to oversee Jesus' crucifixion and then seal Jesus' tomb. And finally hunt for Jesus' body after the resurrection right. to prevent uh, the claims of Jesus' disciples, you know, to say that Jesus is the Messiah. Yes. So it's really, it's actually really, really well acted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's matter of fact, the acting just kind of blows you away. It's very well done. Actually, do you agree with that, Deacon Pedro? You have a lot of experience. Uh, well, I've seen it. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I wasn't, so jo- Joseph Fiennes plays Claudius. Yes. Um, I, I, I wasn't. I don't know. Sometimes good acting, you know it's good because it, you didn't notice it. Um, so yeah. there's, there was nothing really that I remember that stood out for me. 
Um, but I didn't think that. It, but but at the same time, nothing stood out because it was horrible. So I don't know <laughs> if that means I'm agreeing with you or not. Um, <laughs> well, I I would say the acting is is one of the strongest points of the film. Yeah, okay, um, it's good script. You know, we've got, yeah, no, but I I actually think it has it has a lot of great points to it, but it fails in some of what it's advertised to do. Uh, okay. you know, they're calling it an epic film, uh, but it's, yes, actually, it's, it's actually quite narrowly focused. Yes. It's not really epic in terms of casting or timeline or even in complexity. Um, and of course, we've got the outward story of the Roman Tribune's you know, Joseph Fine's search for Christ's body. Yeah. That's kind of providing the framework for his inner journey yes. of, you know, searching for Jesus on a whole nother level, a spiritual yes. search, read, yeah. really. Yeah. So I, I would say this story is solid. It's not really preachy. No. Uh, you know, and I love that about it, and I, I do love the good acting. I think that it has a lot of um, reverence in how it approaches biblical characters yeah. and biblical events even though it takes a lot of liberty with certain details for, and I don't think I'm doing any spoilers here, for example, in the, in the scenes where we see Jesus as risen, um, he very rarely says things that are in the Gospels mm-hmm. after he rose from the dead. And in fact, some of what he says aren't in the Gospels at all. No. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's interesting that they decided to take those liberties. Yeah. I, I think that the acting kind of pulls you in, especially Joseph Fiennes, uh, yes. performance. It's yeah. His search and his obsession at a certain point with finding Christ, I think, is very believable. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, but I have to agree with you that um, it's not just lacking in scope, but it's also lacking in subtext and depth. You know, it's a story of an initial coming to faith, I think, or an initial encounter with Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think that because of that, it doesn't necessarily... Some of the motivation for different characters' belief isn't really clarified. Right. But I think as a possible, you know, as a way to discuss, um, you know, uh, what faith is and how people come to faith, I think it could be very helpful. You know, what consequences will, you know, uh, Joseph Fine's character have to, you know, his encounter with Christ? What will that, how will that influence the rest of his life? What does our faith, how does our faith influence the rest of our lives and the choices we make, and how do we witness to Christ? I think those are good questions that the film raises. Yeah. And I will just add that I really liked St. Peter in this movie. Uh-huh, yes, yes. <laughs> he, he, and all the, the Jewish characters do come across as, you know, their Jewishness is really, is really included in the film, which I also really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, one other little tidbit that is kind of neat with this whole fascination of, you know, with CSI and the, the fascination we have with proving right. crimes with physical evidence. With the body. Well, this is an interesting yes. film that, yeah, that tries to prove the resurrection with physical evidence. Yeah. And so there's a lot of the apostles physically touching Jesus that just make you think what it must have been like for the apostles after yeah. Jesus' resurrection. And, you know, what does the incarnation mean then that the Son of yeah. God took on our human nature? So it's not mm-hmm. the masterpiece that I think it's advertised to be, but it's certainly a solid film, and I think worthwhile going to see. Um, and it's, but it, but I'd love to hear your closing thoughts on it too. No, I I agree with you. It's very hard to make an epic film that's not about you know uh, uh, thousands of people, armies going against each other. This is very much about an inner journey, and I love that's what I liked about it because I thought, and that's why it's not preachy because it's not about. 
here's an outsider who knows nothing about the gospel, who knows nothing, and that might be a lot of people going to watch the movie, and how he experiences the resurrection as an outsider. And yeah. because and that's how it's presented, right? So so we as viewers also are invited to approach this uh, event as outsiders. And I really like that. In fact, I think I would have preferred it had we never seen Jesus in the movie. Uh, in a, in a way, I think that had had we understood that he experiences that interiorly, but we didn't because I actually did not like the actor playing Jesus. Um, either either it's bad acting or just not good scripting. I don't I don't know I don't know what it was, but I found him a little kind of underwhelming. But but <laughs> but like yeah. he said, all the disciples and I think was the scene when when he brings in is it James or or Mary Magdalene or both of them that he uh, the Claudius uh, he he. Uh, he questions them and, and their response. I thought, that's realistic. That's interesting. That's fascinating. I mean, people who have really powerful, uh, uh, if you want to even call them supernatural uh, experiences of the divine, whether it's charismatic or whatever, I think have those uh, that response. And it's, it's weird to people who are even are believers but are outsiders to that experience. So I thought, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good, I think it's a good idea to approach the story of Jesus and the resurrection and the gospel uh, from, this, from this angle. You know, I, I totally agree with you. I like that outsider approach that the film takes that you're pointing out. Mm-hmm. And I think any time we can shift our perspective a little bit to look at events from the life of Christ or any scriptural events, I think it helps us to enter into them in a new way. Yes. And because this, this movie is respectful and of, of the biblical tradition um, and of the biblical events, I think it makes it all the much all the easier to kind of do that with this film. So yes. I, I definitely see it as a great film, you know, to reflect again on faith and just kind of going deeper. And it's a good film to see during Lent and it's opening Absolutely. during Lent. So yes. it's yes. a it's a good reason to go to the theater. It is. No, I, I, I think people should see it and and I like that. I like that that's why it's not preachy, because it's for outsiders and it's yeah. and let let the audience figure it out as Claudius is figuring it out. So that's good. Anyway, um, this is great. So Risen, it's out in theaters. It's for the whole family. Uh, so go see it and write to us and tell us what you think. How's that? We'd love to hear what people think. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Thank you, Sister Marie Paul. God bless. Sister Marie Paul Curley is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com, and you can also follow her and send her your comments on the movie at Sister M. Paul. Hi, I'm Julian Cantor, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. How are you going to spend the next five minutes of your time? How about listening in, meeting a fascinating person, and learning something relevant that will broaden your perspective? Sit down with Sebastian Gomes and go straight to the heart of the matter. Here's Connect 5. Today, Sebastian Gomes speaks with the Church's ambassador to the United Nations, Archbishop Bernardino Ausa. They speak about papal diplomacy and the re-establishing of U.S.-Cuba relations. Archbishop, I'd like to ask you a question about uh, papal diplomacy, the diplomacy of the Holy See. Uh, A lot of people were surprised, for example, to watch uh, President Obama stand up and say, uh, thank you, Pope Francis uh, and the Secretary of State uh, of the Holy See for working behind the scenes to build better relations between the United States and Cuba. People watched that and they said, 
wow, I mean, I wasn't expecting to hear that. Yeah. Is that the kind of diplomatic work that is typical of the Holy See? Is that what the Holy See is doing behind the scenes on issues all over the world? It is, uh, especially uh, uh, because uh, we do our diplomacy in a different way because we have, uh, we have our strengths and weaknesses just the others have. Our strength is certainly uh, patience, uh, respect, and uh, well, we have, uh, you know, our sense of time is a little bit different, which uh, probably other diplomacists wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have. So, for instance, uh, the work in Cuba certainly has gone for decades. Yeah, but you know the the, the, the Holy See, uh, whether it's the level of the Pope, whether it's the level of our you know you might say superiors visiting the uh, visiting Cuba across the decades, whether at the level of the nunciature in Cuba, and also very importantly at the level of bishops there, this dialogue has been going on for decades, and uh, it's very hard for uh, we might say the outside world who. I mean, a world that doesn't really know what we are doing inside in that sense of how we do our relationships, how we pursue our relationships with the Castros or with the, with the, with the government over there. So for us, it is not a big surprise. You know, this has been building on for, for many years, it would be certainly before Pope Francis. Uh, the Cardinal of Havana certainly has a big role to play in that. You know, the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church in the United States has always been a big supporter of the church in Havana. I remember even the communist uh, period, the, the, the most difficult part, we might say, of the life of the church uh, in, in, in Cuba. I know that the American church has always been behind and really supporting the church in Cuba through the Holy See, <laughs> not directly. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, uh, during the last uh, decade or, you know, Last years, you know, the Catholic Church have already been really had a freedom, even to hold uh, classes or seminars or conferences on business, for instance. You know, young Cubans have been trained how to run small businesses. That is even before the government recognized, you know, private property. So the the the, the government in Cuba knew already what the church was capable of doing, and that what it was doing was anyway for the good of Cuba, especially considering uh, the economic situation of Cuba. Now, it's now that you know, Cuba itself, the politics of Cuba has been also changing. We, 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 we had to meet them somewhere. I mean, it's not that uh, you, know, you know, have to give up everything suddenly and immediately and everything we want you, you must change everything. You know, I think that's part of our diplomacy. It's, it's, a, more, it's a very patient diplomacy. That's why I still remember one of my superiors saying, you know, one country not responding to some proposals of the Holy See to have a, what we call a modus vivendi. Let's see, uh, nominations, of, uh, appointments of bishops or certain political questions, certain questions of the local church, you know, and this government just did not respond. And my superior said, well, who do you think they are? They do not know that we are, we are thinking in terms of eternity. <laughs> so for, uh, to say that we are here, we can wait. And let's say, you know, these people there would pass probably three years, five years. And, you know, so of course, we, have, we, we, we try to, to deal with them, to talk to them. But if they are not willing, then, you know, we are here waiting <laughs> for the next one to come. And, you know, it's, it's that patient diplomacy. And I think we also have really a great respect for uh, even people that uh, or institutions or governments that 
the outside world, or we might say the world would see as dictators or, 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 or something like that, or dictatorial. I mean, we see them with, uh, with, with, with respect. So this is the kind of papal diplomacy that has been, uh, you know, that, that, that has been taught us. That was Sebastian Gomes speaking with Archbishop Bernardito Ausa, the church's ambassador to the United Nations. You can watch this and more interviews at saltandlighttv.org slash connect5 and also on our Roku channel. Coming up in our second half hour, the Pope's visit to Mexico and a featured chat with Tony Melendez. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, as you know by now, because you've been listening to this program, if you didn't know already, Pope Francis made his first visit to Mexico last week. It was a busy week with liturgies and gatherings in five different locations throughout the country, and he made a point to reach out to those who are marginalized. Now, to tell us more, I'm now joined by Delia Trueba. She's an educator and art therapist and also a family life advocate in Mexico. She spent most of the week offering commentary on one of the local Mexican TV networks. And we reached her in Mexico City earlier this week. Delia, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be with you. So, how are you feeling? Oh, very excited. It's been so rich, all these visits, so varied, the different places that Pope chose to visit, and so meaningful. So, we're trying to decipher the message from the things he said, the speeches, and especially the, the gestures. Now, all the symbols that we can see from the places he's seen, right. the, um, to, you know, the hugs, the kisses, yes. the, the, the reaching out to people, which I think is the most important part of the message. Interesting. You know, I've, I've heard someone say that yesterday, too, that it's not so much what he's saying, but where he's going and what he's doing. So tell me a little bit more about that. Exactly. I think a great part of the message is the places where he's going. Some people wondered why. You know, people expected for him to be longer in the capital city, of Mexico City. Yeah. But I think the meaningful part is that he's always spoken about reaching out you know, to the peripheries. Yes. The places that are, are kind of forgotten or in crisis. Or, or in Mexico, places that are violent, you know, yes. um, that where drug dealing is, is happening right now. So choosing these places from north to south yes. uh, is very meaningful, and it says a lot in itself. And then comes the part you know, where, where he speaks to the family. Yes. Uh, he's going to speak to the migrants you know, in, in a few minutes, yes. to the people who are in jail. 
it is I feel so real of reaching out and of saying I want to be close to everyone, no, N- not to the I'm fine uh, at the end. That's uh, the message of Jesus, no. I want to reach out, especially to the most wounded. Yeah. Now. And that's I, I'm sorry. That's I think that's the message from the Year of Mercy, no. Ah, uh, of course. The time when he's doing it. It's also very important. Of course, of course. May, um, can I maybe ask you, I don't know if you can't tell me because you don't know for sure, but why do you think Pope Francis wanted to go to Mexico in the first place? Well, Mexico has been insisting, you know, because Mexico is always expecting Pope visits. Yes. We've been spoiled. Yes, <laughs> I know. By John Pope II, spoiled us. He came many, many times. So people in Mexico were expecting him, and he knew it. Yes. But also, it's a country with such a large Catholic community. Yeah. 80-something percent of people in Mexico are Catholic. Yes. And also, I think the Pope sees this country as um, a Latin American country that are very close to other countries like the U.S., no? Uh-huh. So it's an influence to other countries. Now, it's very Latin American okay. in culture, but also influential to, to other cultures. Yeah. Now, I know you've been busy doing commentary for, for one of the networks, uh, but did you get a chance to go to any events or see him in person at all? Only to the Basilica. Oh, in Guadalupe. Yes. At the Basilica, I was supposed to be in one of the, um, of the TV channels commenting. Yes. But the journey was so tough. It was, it was I mean, you, you couldn't access the places, even if you were uh, a journalist or something. So I, uh, I tried to reach to the, to the TV network yeah. and wasn't able to. Military stopped me, Yes. and I couldn't go there to comment. The priest that was commenting there, he had to stay the whole day because I, I wasn't able to reach the place. Oh, my so gosh. So I think that the security has been extreme, maybe too much. Right. I <laughs> think <laughs> too much. So I was at the Basilica. I think that the, what we call the Vagas, where people line up on yes. the street yes. to cheer him up. So I stayed at one of the Vagas and, and saw him pass by, and I could listen to the mass. In the microphones and the world, the big screen. Yes. So I could somehow be present at the mass. It was very interesting to be at the Raya, you know. With the people, because yes. You, you could hear people cheering him up. For me, it was quite an experience. And one of the, the things people ch- shouted no, uh, was, who is the, the best? Who is the main person here? In Mexico, we say the mero mero. No, uh-huh. it's a common saying. Who is the mero mero, like the big chief? And people would, would answer, Jesus is. The uh-huh. middle, middle, no? Interesting. And, and I thought that was very meaningful because people finally were very warm towards the Pope, but we know the message he's giving us, it's not his message, it's Jesus' message. Yes. He said he would come to, to make us remember how much Jesus loves us. Yes. Now, did anything uh, in the visit surprise you at all that you weren't expecting? Yes. I think what surprised me most was two things. One, uh, all the space and the time given to people to tell their, their stories, no? with the family, yes. with the people who are in prison, people have been encouraged to tell their stories, and folks have been listening very, very uh, patiently. Yes. That's surprising. I don't know if that had been the dynamics in other visits. And the other thing that surprised me is all the moments he's taken to have a few minutes of silence yes. or to pray together. Yes. No? Everywhere he's gone, he's asked people to stop, to pray, and in a very simple way, if you want to say it that way, as if he were with children, you know, he asks us to, to say Holy Mary, Hail Mary, I'm sorry, to, um, to pray together, to ask for God's guidance. You know, just a few minutes, I think, for people who were wondering, how can we pray? You know, is it too hard for me? 
Yes. It's been a great answer, you know, from a, from a shepherd that says, it's easy to pray, just close your eyes, just be with God and, and understand how much He loves you. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Now, is there any one moment or something that He said that you think you're going to remember forever? I think the moment when He encountered the family. Uh-huh. Maybe because I'm a wife and mother of five kids. Yes. And this encounter with the family really shook me. Yes. And listening to the to all the testimonies, you know, the, the different hardships that families have to to affront, you know, the, the way that they find light in their faith, and especially this message that families are not perfect. We sometimes get discouraged because we think, oh, my family's not perfect, we're going through this and that. No, I, I'm not like the pattern that the Catholic Church wants. And then you listen to these testimonies and see that all families are different. No, we, we all find different situations that we hadn't planned. Yeah. But we're doing our best, and, and Jesus reaches out to us and, and wants to help us and wants to, to hold our hands and guide us. I think that's something that, that really, really shook me, listening to those testimonies. And seeing the Pope being so interested and, yes. and so merciful with these people. Yes, he was. I was especially moved by the couple who were, who said that they were, they, she was divorced and they had remarried outside of the church because they couldn't marry in the church, but they made their communion. Comulgamos a través de los enfermos. We, we make our communion with, with the sick and with the needy, mm -hmm. and I thought that was a very powerful, uh, especially coming from the Synod of, of Families last year. Um, what do you think the people of Mexico can take away from this visit? What's, what's going to, the next... Okay. I think, and mostly I hope, that many people in Mexico will come back to the church. I mean, in an active way. Yes. No, because there are lots of people who have been baptized, but who don't go to mass regularly, or who haven't been to confession in a long time. Yes. And I think it's an invitation to, hey, come back. No, you're part of the church. It doesn't matter what you've been through. No? Mm -hmm. This is a year of mercy. And I think it's an invitation to come back, no, to... to Maybe take my family to Mass and say, hey, there, there was something meaningful, meaningful yeah. here, no? It was not just an obligation. It was a way to, to shed light in our lives. If people respond to that invitation in Mexico, I think it, it's going to be a visit that we'll never forget, and, and it's going to be a, a big impulse to our church. Mm -hmm. Well, we pray for that, and it's been good because the whole world has been praying with and for Mexico this past week. Delia, thank you very much for sharing a little bit of your insights today and for being with us. I know you're, you've been busy this week. Thank you. Thank you. I've been very happy to be with you. Thanks. Delia Trueba is an educator and specializes in human development. She has a private practice in art therapy and works with women who struggle with difficult pregnancies. She's also a member of Catholic Voices for Mexico, and she's a wife and mother of five children. We reached her in Mexico City earlier this week. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Tony Melendez, with Despedida from his album Never Be the Same. Tu pelo, 
Ya no tendré sonrisa Pero tendré un recuerdo Y seguirá mi frío Y volverás y habrá Otra despedida Sin pensar te quiero triste callado grito que ya no lo escucharás y nunca lo tendrás pasando el tiempo solo y pesado se va muriendo That was Tony Melendez with Despedida, which means the goodbye, from his album Never Be the Same. Now, if you don't already know, Tony Melendez was born in Nicaragua. He was the son of a woman who was given the drug thalidomide to help calm morning sickness. This caused him, as it did many thousands of babies, to be born with uh, various deformities, and Tony was born without arms. But Tony is an accomplished singer and songwriter and guitar player. He plays guitar with his feet. This past week, he played at a special concert in Texas near where Pope Francis was about to celebrate Mass in Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. And we reached Tony Melendez earlier this week in El Paso. Tony, how are you? Good to have you back on the program. Well, what a pleasure to be talking with you. I'm excited. I'm here getting ready to last night sound check Sun Bowl and the, the Pope is at maybe 30-minute drive from here, 45 minutes the most. Okay, okay, and, uh, yeah, so, so let me ask you about that. It, it's Wednesday morning. People are not going to hear this interview till, till the weekend, but it's Wednesday morning. You're in uh-huh. Texas, in El Paso, but you said the Pope is about 30 minutes away, so that's for people who are not really familiar with the geography. You, it sounds like you're in Mexico. <laughs> I'm almost there. I'm still on the U.S. side. El Paso is... Um, you know, right at the border, you know, there's, you could see, you know, when you're driving on the interstate, you could actually see uh, Mexico just driving from uh, Interstate 10. And right. I'm very close, you know, to literally, I think he's yeah. less than 30 minutes and uh, where the mass is going to be and where he's staying, all that fun stuff. Right. Now, and, and the word El Paso means the, the path. I, I, is that where most uh, Mexicans or migrants are crossing the border into the United States? Is that a very common... Uh, is that why it, it's one of the stops? Uh, you know, it's one of the entry points. But there's, you know, quite a few 
you know, from yeah. California to Texas, there's, there's I don't, I don't know, a good maybe even seven. Yeah. More. Okay. And and again, for people who've never been there, uh, can you describe what that border looks like? Is it? I mean, I know the border between Canada and the United States is very friendly looking, but uh, this one's quite different, isn't it? Yeah, this one uh, used to be. When you go over there, it's nice. You can enjoy. Um, but for the last probably seven, eight years ish, um, there's been a, a huge problem with the drug cartel. Yeah. Um, it's gotten very dangerous, you know. Uh, you know, it, it it got very rough, you know, especially people hurting each other, yeah. killing each other. Uh, so it, it it has not been a safe place. It's gotten better, I would say, in the last three years. Yeah. You know, thank God, because there was a lot of killing going on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now it's to the point where people are starting slowly to get over there, and some of the the danger has calmed down. Right. Now, I know that you, you mentioned that you were doing the sound check at the Sun Bowl. So the Sun Bowl is a stadium in El Paso. There's going to be an event today prep where people can gather and watch the Mass. The Mass with the Pope is going to be on the Mexican side in Ciudad Juarez, correct? Right, correct. And then um, yeah. is the idea that we're trying to encourage uh, Texans or people on the U.S. side to not be right at the border? Could they see the Mass if they were right at the border? I don't. I don't think so. No. It's not one of those. He's he's not going to be in a spot where, you know, you could be up on the window looking. Oh, there he is! You no. know, from okay. the U.S. side. Right. You really, I believe, have to be in Mexico to really. So. See. So the event that you're going to be playing at, can you tell us a little bit about what that event is going to be like? Yeah, it's a it's a six hour. We'll be there. Wow. Uh, starting at about noon to about six o'clock in the evening. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be watching what the Pope does for sure. The mass, you know. The, uh, will be, uh, you know, simul class with him yeah. for the Mass and, and some of the stuff that he's doing, some of the things he's doing. Right. And then kind of on when they kind of break away from the simulcast, uh, they're going to have Colin Ray, which is a country singer. Yes, yeah, we've had um, him in this myself. program. Yeah. Um, Good. There's going to be all kinds of dancers and uh, a, a few other singers, too, that are part of this event. Yeah. And it's going to be a beautiful day. It sounds like they got a lot going on there. Yeah, it, it does. I was looking at the program earlier. Um, it, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's called Two Nations or something like that. Is it this idea that it is the two nations, the, the, the United States and the Mexico, coming together? Are there a lot of Mexicans it's living in Texas? Two Tex Nations, One Faith. Two Nations, One and Faith. Being so close to the border. You yeah. Know, that's why they called it Two Nations, One Faith. Okay, two nations. Is there, I mean, again, I, we're a little ignorant about the, 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 the logistics of Texas. Um, I know that there are a lot of Mexicans who live in Texas, but probably not recent Mexicans, but, you know, Mexicans have been there for generations because Texas used to be part of Mexico. So is, is, yes. there, it, it, do you th is this concert, I know you sing in both languages. Will you be singing in Spanish? Do you think there's going to be a lot of yes. sort of Spanish-speaking? Uh, I'll, I'll be speaking, speaking Spanglish. Spanglish, that's the best, uh, the yes. best kind. Good. So, but being on the U.S. side, U.S. side, I mean, I would say it's going to be primarily in uh, in English. But yeah. you know, it'd be very bilingual. You know, anytime the Pope really has spoken, it sounds like he's speaking more in in Spanish. Yes, he is. So that way, the the locals, the ones that you know, they, they live here in the U.S. They they look totally like they're from you know Latin America, but some some, especially the kids, 
hardly even speak uh, English, some of them. Really? But, you know, this area really has a, a big slew of uh, people that speak 100% Spanish and English. So really? It's a blessing to know the two languages. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be good to for you to be there and be able to, to, to do your your music in both languages. Um, this is part of what you do now. You travel around, you, you do events. Um, uh, in fact, when, when this program airs, you're going to be here in my parish on Saturday. And we're looking very forward to having you, you play at our parish. Uh, everybody's very excited. Um, how has your ministry changed maybe in the last couple years? Uh, or do you feel that you're still, you know, the itinerant singer-songwriter bringing that message of hope, that that mission that Pope John Paul, Saint John Paul II gave you, oh, what, 30 years ago now? Yeah, um, I would say it hasn't changed uh, in a big way. You know, I'm still doing a lot of music. Yeah. Um, concerts uh, from schools to, you know, in churches to even the corporate world has invited me to yeah. be part of, you know, uh, some of their events, you know, I mean, it, uh, you know, I yeah. would say that the newer kind of thing uh, that's happening right now is, I've had it for a while, it's called Tony Melinda's Ministries, and I'm yeah. eventually wanting to get to a level where I could help the youth or help disabled, uh, yeah. take mission trips, so, oh, yeah. you know, that's the new. So how would that work? You, you, you would actually go on mission trips with people who have various uh, abilities? Yes, uh, mainly right now we I've been taking college students. Yeah, uh, and we've been to Mexico. Uh, this was when you know years ago when it was a little better to be able to we actually would drive. Yeah, uh, into a small area called Vigilio uh, Santa Maria, uh-huh. and we would uh, paint. Yeah, fix buildings, whatever we can do, you know, any kind of service, okay. kind of project, and then drive back home. And you know, the, nice. it was uh, just a mission trip with the college students. Right, uh, and we actually they would actually live right in the homes of people. We put nice. maybe two students per home, or they could only really house one, just one. Right, so it was a beautiful trip. And is it specifically for people who have physical uh, disabilities, or is it open to anyone? No, no, no. This the, the mission trip is mainly for any abled, abled body you know, people. We're doing service. Uh, and, and are you talking to the people that actually go with me? Yes. Yeah, this is strictly in the abled body. Okay. You know, because it's lifting, it's labor. It's, right, it's, exactly. It's, you know, it's heavy. So. Yeah. But, you know, in the future, to be able to help the disabled, I've, I've been uh, just had a contact with an organization out in Jamaica. It's called the Mustard Seed. Oh, yes. And it's, a, you know, I'm sure some of you heard of it. Yeah. It, you know, it's people totally abandoned. Uh-huh. And in the future, I want to take groups out there to help them or do something here to send a crate or to send money uh, supplies they might need so that, that's that's another project in the making that I just went just uh, about three weeks ago to Jamaica yeah a 24 hour you know people think oh he's going to Jamaica you know I'm going to have rum punch and <laughs> go enjoy the water and the beach come back with braids there 24 yeah. hours wow there was a group of about 25 People are mainly from Maryland, um, and it was all to see how we could help. Yeah. So they, we toured about three or four of their facilities. Yeah. And you know, that's what I'd like to do in the future, kind of help 
those kind of entities with the Tony Molinas Ministries. Okay, that's good to know. Okay, Tony, I'm going to let you go because I know you have to go get your vocal cords ready, um, uh, <laughs> get your uh, toes ready for picking. And, uh, All right. <laughs> um, uh, but I'll, uh, once I let you go, I'm going to let everybody know how they can reach you and where they can find uh, more about Tony Melendez Ministries. And uh, maybe we can help you get those uh, mission trips going. And, All right. And well, I'll, we're looking forward to being up there in Canada. Absolutely. I'll see you on Saturday. Take care. Bye-bye. Have fun All today. All right, brother. Take care. All right. Bye. That was a conversation I had with Tony Melendez earlier this week. Tony is actually in Canada next week playing concerts in Belleville, Ontario. You can get more details about this and about Tony Melendez Ministries at Tony's website, TonyMelendez.com. Here now is Tony Melendez with a song that he wrote for another pope, St. John Paul II. My dear young friends, and this song is featured on the World Youth Day 2002 souvenir album, Light of the World. Dear young friends, I pray that your faith in Christ will always be lively and strong. This way, you will always be ready to tell others the reason for your hope. You will be messengers of hope for the world.
We're listening to Tony Melendez with My Dear Young Friends. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where you can learn about all our featured artists and guests. And that's also where you can find out all about our work at Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation and learn how you can support our ministry by becoming a monthly donor through our Guardians program. Remember, you can always reach me through Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Deacon Pedro and let me know what you think of this show. You can also reach us now by sending a direct voice message through our website. Just go to saltandlighttv.org radio and try it out. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. This program is completely free thanks to donations. So thank you for considering us when you're making your charitable contributions. Have a blessed Lenten season. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Evangelize.